0: This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back, everybody. I've got Melanie Benson on the line. Melanie, how are you?
1: I'm great, Michael. Thanks for inviting me into uh, a very intriguing conversation today.
0: My pleasure. Now, backstory for those of us that aren't aware, um, Melly and I are both icons of influence. I think that's what Steve calls them um, with uh, the New Media Summit. And basically in English, that means uh, we, for some reason or another, Steve believes we know what we're doing. And we are, you know. People that have influence when it comes to podcast and business and life, so it's always good to talk with somebody that's in in that ecosystem because it's a it's a great group of human beings for sure. And been looking forward to having this conversation for a while. So you do a ton of things, and one of the things that jumped out at me uh, in our conversations that we've had is the concept of money and you know, how people view it, especially small business owners and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs that are out launching their businesses, uh, the relationship with money uh, sometimes, and, and we discussed this a little bit in the pre-show, I think holds people back from reaching the success levels uh, where they really could hit if they had a different relationship. So what got you into this uh, mm-hmm. line of work and, and, and you know, what are some of the things that you commonly see happen with people?
1: Well, you know, so I'll we'll tackle the first question first. How did I get into it? Um, I actually kind of fell into it because I was watching so many of my entrepreneurial clients not make progress in implementing, in being able to take what should work and and actually get financial results from it. And I started looking at because I'm a patterns person. I look at patterns and I I was looking at like what's the pattern here? I'm seeing people have no shortage of ideas, no shortage of enthusiasm, no shortage of passion for what they're doing, but they are having a shortage of cash flow. So what's really going on here? And I started to realize that um as entrepreneurs, you know, online business owners, coaches, consultants, whatever your line of work you're in, and maybe you'll relate to this, we are not taught how to have a healthy relationship with money. We're taught how to do the craft, right? We're taught how to take a skill. And for some of us taught how to market and sell, but very few people are actually taught how to really create a healthy relationship so that money is flowing in more than it's flowing out. And I started to realize that some of the patterns behind that are things that we have to, as entrepreneurs, we have to do some, what I call the inner work, so that we actually have a container and i call you know our brain a container in this capacity to create more money like we have to be the kind of person who our habits our mindset our beliefs our thoughts our decisions can support having profitability in our lives and so that's kind of what was the trigger and then full disclosure as an early entrepreneur michael and i'm sure you'll get a kick out of this um, and this is 20 years ago when I started my business. I struggled so badly to make money. I, you know, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how to like coach and all that, but I couldn't sell my way out of a paper bag, right? Like I could not figure out the money thing, and I literally struggled to make my business profitable enough to sustain me that I wanted to give up. And when I cracked that code for myself. By shifting you know, my thought patterns around money and realizing I had to really change my whole belief structure about having money, I started making six figures over and over and over again really easy. And I started multiplying my six figures. And when people would come to me and they'd say, can, I, can you teach me the strategy of what you're doing? What I realized was it wasn't my strategy because anybody could do what I was doing. It was my mindset that set me apart. And that's how I started to work with people around the money mindset as part of teaching them how to be successful in business.
0: And it's so crucial because then I think, you know, I'm in the same boat where I was so focused on, okay, what will this earn me instead of what impact will this have? And, and changing my focus on, on what I was actually doing and, and not, Overly worrying about, you know, the income prospect of it. Um, But you know, one of the things you alluded to a little bit is, you know, when I look at opportunities, I think, okay, is there a monetization component to this? Yes or no? Okay, and then you know, I'll say, okay, well, you know, as far as trying to figure out what that could be, great. It's not one of those big things where I go, all right, I need to, you know, to do this so I can make X, Y, or Z, but. From the flip side of it, and go, okay, is this a good idea for me to do? You know, let's take the money thing out of it for a second and just say, if money wasn't an object and I could go and do anything I wanted to, doesn't matter, everything I need is taken care of. Would I do this thing? You know, would I launch this product? Would I do this service? Would I work with this client? And and that's where you know, for me, that was one of the the mind shifting things that I did was. You know, Don't worry about, you know, the compensation component of it. Would I want to do this? And I think what that did for me was it gave me permission to, you know, more or less say no to a lot of things that really didn't make sense for me to do at that particular point. Doesn't mean I wouldn't do it in the future, but it did make sense for me to continue doing what I was doing in a particular avenue. And by eliminating that and focusing on the things that, yes, this is what I would like to do that's when you know the shift happened and that's when income started to flow in and 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 really started to change things for me
1: so i'm wondering michael in that story was there a shift that you needed to make in how you related to money um uh, that helped you get clear about what you take action on
0: oh definitely it was a yeah. case where you know, and I had, you know, my, you know, the people that listen to the show you know, are well aware of, you know, my backstory about my losses and, you know, losing everything and all of that. And when you lose things, especially home, car, all of those things, job, you know, money, all of a sudden becomes uh, a rare commodity. Uh, you're like, okay, well, how am I going to eat? How am I going to have a place to live? What am, How am I going to get around and all of those things? And when after, I, I Recovered from all of those losses and realized, okay, I'm still eating. Um, I have a place to live. Uh, I have transportation that's accessible to me. My health is better. Okay. And I did all of those things without any new influx of income. It allowed me to go, all right, the basics are covered. So that gives me free reign to be able to be creative in what I want to do and understand that, yes, there's going to be money spent on things that may or may not work out, whether it's marketing campaigns or offerings or you name it. But it, it took me away from the, I need to get this money mindset to, I have everything that I need. And once it comes in, then, okay, great. Now I've got revenue flowing in, what can I do with that now? And it changed it from something that I needed in a commodity and something that I was consuming to more or less changing money to me is more as a tool that allows me to do different things or, okay, I'm going to invest in this or I'm going to buy this product or service that can help me learn how to do this, which then will then allow me to do this and this, which has a monetization component, so I can then take those things and do something else to grow and you know, basically i don 't want to say wash rinse and repeat, but i it's changed my relationship with money where i'm not you know looking at you know okay when you know when I was you know working in the day job world okay when 's the next paycheck okay, how many days till payday kind of thing now it's like I know what I need i don't have to thankfully you know worry about Okay, do I have money to be able to buy this? You know, I, I, I'm more, I guess the b- best way to describe it is I am better with it because I'm using the tool as a resource to allow me to do the things that I need to do. But I'm also, like with any type of tool, using it wisely so you don't you know break the tool or lose it or whatever the case may be.
1: So as you're talking, it's it's reminding me that one of the fundamentals of having a really great relationship with money is really understanding there is a mindset of wealth and prosperity and profitability, and then there, so that would be the being side, and then there's the doing side. And I've actually discovered that people who are responsible for their own income can have a healthy mindset around it. But if they haven't really developed the the doing side, which could be your strategy, it could be your habits, uh, it could be the way you manage the flow of money, you can actually make good money and still be broke. And then if you don't have the being side, meaning you haven't conquered what I call the three greatest profit drains, then you can actually be good with money and you can manage it well, but there's a part of you that kind of rejects doing the things that actually would create more financial flow. So you don't really have the money to manage. So there's really, there's two kind of ecosystems, as you were talking about, that support having a really great relationship with money. And if you want, like I could share a little bit about what these being level uh, issues are. I, I find there's three common ones. Sometimes there's more, but... There's typically these three common ones. Do you want me to go into them a little bit?
0: Well, please do. And you know, before you do that, I was going to ask a quick question on, on sure. the being side of things. Is do you find, and again, when you know you share them, maybe you'll you'll answer this in, in that way. But do you find those people that struggle on the the being side? Um, there's an element of, of procrastination, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying you know laying on the couch and you know watching Netflix and all of that stuff, but just they're, they're hesitant to do something and, Mm -hmm. you know, where they, you know, want to, you know, do other things, but they're like, no, I don't feel like doing that. And Mm -hmm. that, so I'm guessing that the answer is yes to that, but yeah, please, (laughs) please, please share. Yeah.
1: yeah, Procrastination is interesting because it's almost like it's a tether between the being and the doing, because you're not doing something that on some level you believe will help you, and you're resistant to it, right? And the resistance comes from the being side. So, yeah, I'm gonna unpack these three profit drains, and then I'll tell you where I notice procrastination fits in a lot. Uh, so, the three profit drains, and I should probably say, I've been teaching this for close to ten years now. Uh, been in business almost twenty, coaching and mentoring people who build a business around their expertise. So. I, I work with a lot of people who are wanting to expand their revenue, they want to expand their leadership and their influence in their space, and they're looking to gain more visibility. So they come to me because that's not working, right? They're, they're not making the money and they know they're really talented or they're really trying to grow that next level and they're like, why is this not working? And it's like they keep hitting this wall that they can't figure out where the wall is. And What I did was I studied about 2,000 cases, so to speak, of clients and people I knew who were having these same issues. And I basically discovered there's about three core, what I call hidden profit drains. These are things that are hard to kind of see in your own day-to-day way of being because you've been doing them so long, they start to feel kind of normal to you but they're actually not working. And the first one, um, the best way I know how to call it is it's a fear, but it's actually not fear the way most people see fear. It's logical thinking that's disguising hidden fears. And here's what I mean by this. Oftentimes what we do when we think about taking a big leap, you've got maybe you've got a big bold goal that you're, you're wanting to achieve or you know it's time to invest in a coach or mastermind or some kind of marketing strategy a team member but your logic mind goes practical and rational and you look at your bank account and you're like i cannot afford it how will i ever afford this growth i don't know where this is coming from so what you do is you don't take action but what's happening is it's because your logic mind doesn't know how to do it. Your logic mind hasn't done it before. Like the practical logical pieces are absolutely true. Yes, you don't have the money in the bank account. You don't know how to do it. But that's fear. And if we if we take a step back and we look at how to really successful business owners and entrepreneurs actually achieve things that they did not believe were possible. How do leaders establish themselves in ways that you're like, how did you do that? That's because they do what most people think is unattainable. They, they set goals and they position themselves to achieve things and they stop needing to know how. And what that does is, is that stretches you to do things you've never You never believe are possible because you stop being addicted to, I need to know how. So we can apply that to a lot of things like how do I afford growth? How do I, how do I achieve goals that I don't know how to do? But procrastination, one form of procrastination is you're trying to do something you've never done before and it's scaring you. And if your habit is to rely on what you've known up to now to get there, and you don't know how to get there you'll put off taking action because there is a part of you that needs that assuredness to be confident taking action so that's one way profit drains kick in and i personally i had a lot of breakthroughs around this one for myself early on and every time i wanted to take a big leap forward in my business and i know a lot of my clients do because I was very addicted to the how as well. Like if I didn't know how to do something, I would talk myself out of it versus leaning into it and going like, all right, well, if I don't know how to do it, but I know I want to do it, what next step would I take? And that was actually, you know, one of my first breakthroughs getting me into six figures the first time was I had no idea how to do it. I just knew I wanted to do it and I was willing to do whatever it took. So that's the first profit drain.
0: Yeah, it's crucial because you know, and, and it kind of r- reminds me of, of choices that I made. You know, when I launched my business, you know, there was a lot of things that I didn't know, but yeah, you, know, you know, it's like, okay, well, I know I got to take this step, so let's take this step. Or you, know, you mentioned coaching program, like, okay, yeah, probably can't afford this, but I can't afford not to because I knew that you know, my, my goals were bigger than my fears and, you know, the fears, you know, if you listen to fears, you know, it'll, it'll tell you don't even get out of bed if you really want to, you know, really you know get down to it. You know, there's, and unfortunately I know there are some people that probably suffer with things like that. But for me, it was, like I have to do this because my goal and the mission that you know, I laid out for myself was such that I had to do this, you know, and, and went into a kind of a, if I don't do it, who will now? Sure. There might be somebody that will, but they're not going to do it from my perspective. And I didn't want to rob society of the opportunity to learn from, from me and the people that I work with and colleagues and all of that, because I easily could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll just, I'll stay in my day job and I'll, uh, just kind of go about my life and so be it. And and I, I think back to the past few years, if I didn't make those bold choices going, man, how boring would the last three years have been? Because I just, I wouldn't have done anything. And who knows where I would have been both mm-hmm. personally and professionally.
1: Yeah, that's, I, I totally relate to that. Um, and it kind of reminds me like the antidote to number one is um, what's your why like when your why is so big and compelling and you're so uh, emotionally connected to it you you like you operate differently and instead of like feeling like you need that safety net all the time you learn to take action without knowing how it's going to work which is what you're alluding to earlier and this kind of reminds me of like the profit drain number 2 that often comes up hand in hand with fear is that you feel in conflict with whatever like there's a part of you that wants the growth there's a party that wants to take this big leap there's a part of you that wants to grow and evolve and in, in a way but then there's a part of you that um, is afraid you're going to lose something and so one of the most common things i see michael and i'm sure you've bumped up against people who do this too is they want that next level of success but they're afraid they're going to lose time freedom or they're afraid they're going to like lose the ability to nurture a relationship. And there was a CEO I was working with one time. He was uh, the president and CEO of a really large mortgage company here in Southern California. And he hired me to help him double his revenues. And so we were working on a strategy and he confessed to me that he was procrastinating the steps that we would map out. And when I went in and I, I do this thing called recoding, and I'm looking for what's the belief or the the thought process that's holding someone back from taking action. And we discovered that he had this deep fear that if he actually put those things into action, that his wife would leave him because he would be busy and wouldn't be present to her. So I really, I get like when, when we look at things in, in buckets, it's like, well, I can either have this or I can have that then we start to pull ourselves back. You know, maybe we take 10 steps forward and then we take about 20 steps back. That's another way I see procrastination kick in. But I'll just jump right into the antidote on this one. You have to find your and. See, when you think I can have this or that, I can have more success or I can keep the time freedom I have or I can have, um, you know, I can take my business to seven figures or I can have a relationship, of course, We're going to like hold the thing that's most valuable to us safe and not go for the next big level of success, unless that's your priority. Um, And then what I find is that's because you're, you've trapped yourself in, in a limited paradigm. You believe you have to sacrifice something to get to the next level. So what we have to do is look at like, well, how could you have more success and nurture that relationship or, and keep a certain amount of free time. And so we start to, deconstruct the, the trap and recalibrate the goals so that it can allow you to have what's important to you. So there's just one example, but I see those go hand in hand a lot because you know, the procrastination is kicking in. Like why? And it's usually because you think you're going to lose something to gain something else.
0: Yeah. That's a big thing. And for those people that haven't lost something and, or even those that have, you know, it may, it may be a, a traumatic experience and it, the thought patterns kick in and the the, the amygdala starts yelling at you and you're like, this is a bad idea. You know, you, you could lose this and this and this. And, you know, from my standpoint, it's like, well, you know, I've got, I don't want to call it an unfair advantage, but I do have an advantage saying, well, you know what? I've lost everything before and here I am. Um, so... it it kind of gives you a a, a bit of a bravado of course you got to be smart about it you know don't don't expect to you know make a bunch of money you know releasing something or doing something that you know no one in the world would ever want you know you you don't want to be silly or anything like that but you do have the opportunity say and I love the, the fact of you know finding your aunt it's like and if you're worried about, you know, losing your spouse because you're going to do something, I don't know, try something really strange and, 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 and talk with them <laughs> and, and, and say, okay, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm doing. This could be a potential. You know, how can we uh, navigate through this so I can do the things that we need to do as a couple uh, and still be able to do this? So I'll be doing this. And it's going to create opportunities for us to do this. Um, I call that
1: onboarding your spouse. How do you onboard your spouse and your goals, right? Instead of, kind go. of leaving them flailing in the wind going, what are you doing? Why are you gone all the time? It's amazing how many people don't think to drop into that level of communication.
0: Yeah. And it's, it happens all the time, unfortunately, where you know someone makes a decision about something and then Okay now I'm gonna let the let the the better half know and you might want to include them in the conversation a little bit beforehand yeah just, just so. so what was number three what's the number so three
1: number three is what I call a limitation paradigm and so I like the word paradigm because I think we all operate in whatever what basically whatever level of success you have whatever level of financial experience whatever your money relationship is right now this actually matches your current paradigm so if you're struggling all the time you you on some level have locked into this paradigm of that's how it goes or your doing side is set up to deliver that result even if you do want something else and so your paradigm is actually programmed for you in childhood (laughs) and early adulthood sometimes where we kind of see the way things are with pivotal people in our lives, and then we replicate it. And for most of us, it's very unconscious. Even if we hated the way it was, we t- it gets encoded into our way of being. And unless you're really savvy and you really start doing the work at, at a younger age, you just replicate it. It's just how human beings are. And so what I find with limitation paradigms is, we don't know something else is possible, or we, if we don't see it, oftentimes you can't create it. And so a limitation paradigm literally locks you into operating the way you are right now, and you just keep that same problem. And so kind of the antidote to the limitation paradigm is, first of all, you have to recognize what limiting beliefs you have that keep you creating that result right now. So what's your belief about money? What's your belief about work? What's your belief about success? And, you know, because I'm kind of a research freak and I I love the whole pattern thing, as I mentioned before, like I found there were seven, what I call money DNA blueprints. These are ways in which we operate around money and success. And depending on what your blueprint is, it will lock you into the paradigm that you're in. And so the antidote is recognizing there are other blueprints that are more effective. Like you can actually learn how to do thriving. You can learn how to be a thriver, but you have to become very intentional about your actions. And this kind of shifts us into the doing conversation we were mentioning before. You can be, uh, you can have the beliefs of somebody who's profitable and you make good money. But if you're not doing profitable, you will basically spend all the money that you make. I had some clients early on when I started to teach this work who they were making seven figures. And some of them were making, you know, like $500,000 a month kind of money, but they had no money. They were broke all the time. And I was so curious. I was like how is this possible? And what I realized was they they were good at being prosperous, like they had no problem asking for the sale, they were really great marketers, they believed that money could come easily to them, but they weren't doing profitability because they weren't paying attention to what the cost of delivering their programs were. They weren't paying attention to the like what's coming in and what's going out and so they weren't really like doing financial stewardship is what I call it. They weren't stewarding the money they were making. And so they would like have to file bankruptcy because they were spending so much more money than they were making. And so it just kind of revealed to me, and I think it's it's an aha for a lot of us, that you can make really good money and not have money. And that the fastest way to shift that is to first of all decide that you are going to be in a healthy relationship with money. You're going to be the person who can welcome financial abundance into your life. And that means, it doesn't mean you're not a good person, it means you're willing to create abundance so you can be a steward of abundance. And by the way, that just is a tool that allows us to do more good work in the world and allows us to have the flexibility to create, to innovate, to be expansive, to serve, right? Like it, it will further whatever our deepest values are. But if you aren't plugging into, all right, so I need a revenue projection. I need to know uh, how much money I'm going to be making this month. So I know, you know, is this a really smart investment I'm making right now, right? Like you have to like plug into the practical side a bit so that you can balance both sides of your ecosystem and really have one really great relationship with money. And I'm trying to hit the high notes here because this is a big subject and I know we don't have all day. So I'm, if I'm going really fast and covering a lot of stuff really fast, just know I'm I'm trying to really hit the high notes here.
0: No, and you're hitting them all extremely well. And it's, you know, it's percolating, you know, all kinds of thoughts that I know the audience you know, and hearing this is, is, you know, especially with with the, the seven DNA blueprints. Yeah. That, that is probably one that has really got them, you know, kind of taking a look at themselves going, okay, which blueprint am I? And my hunch is for many of them, they don't like that blueprint and they want a different one. And, you know, the, the creating abundance, I mean, that's, that, that's one of those things when, when you have the right relationship with money for you um, and you know, creating abundance so that you can generously make contributions to whatever, you know, cause or situation, family, friends, whatever, and and do it from a place where you don't, I guess the one way to put it is you don't feel it. You don't miss it. You're like uh, you, you've what you're feeling is, Yeah, I'm making a pretty good impact. I'm helping somebody out. And and again, when your relationship with money is right, you're not thinking about, okay, you know, I'm I'm buying, you know, my friend a home, for example, or a car or whatever the case may be. And if you've got, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you have the right relationship with money, you're not thinking, okay, I just spent $30,000 to give this person a car. You say, I just you know gave this person a better reliable vehicle so they can get to and from work in a long commute every day without worrying about it breaking down on the highway yet again, and they're safer and they won't have to think about that so they can focus their attention on other things in life. And it it's go ahead.
1: Well, as I say, you're explaining paradigm here. A paradigm is a set of belief systems. And and so what I notice is you either have an expansive belief system or you have a contracted belief system. You know, so you're either a glass half full person or a glass half empty person. And when you're operating in a constant state of scarcity, and that might have been your childhood, that might have been, you know, maybe you hit some hard times, But when you're in that pervasive scarcity, like all you see is what you're losing. But when you're like in this abundant, very expansive state and you, you know, if you didn't grow up that way and you've had to create it, then great, you know, join the rest of us. some of us have to really work on that, like really recode the way our brain works to stay in that more expansive state. But when you're in that state, you rebound quicker. You're more resilient. You pick yourself up faster and go, okay, that sucked. Um, onwards and upwards, like what's the next step? Like take in the learning, you know, fix the problem and move on instead of like wallow in it. And what I noticed, and I loved your example of this earlier, Michael, where you said like I hit hard times, but I also realized like I'd hit the bottom and like, it's just up from here, right? Like I've, I've done without everything. I know how to move beyond that. That's resilience. And if you don't have that naturally, you can recode your mind to get there. But what you don't want to do is live in that state of scarcity and fear and let that be your decision maker. Cause that's a really tough place to create a successful business or to really improve your leadership from.
0: I agree. And, you know, a company that, um, you know, Helping out and working with, they were, and this is not just limited to individuals, but organizations can behave this way as well, where they've been basically sitting on the sidelines and freezing themselves and not making some decisions regarding investments, you know, to upgrade some things, uh, some assets that they have, and and repair some things, and roll out some new initiatives and and things like that, and. The thing that caught me off guard initially was, you know, they're they're operating in this scarcity mindset, but they've got enough money in their financial picture, you know, cash. not I'm not talking about equity or, or credit or anything like this, but cold, hard cash to be able to take care of those things three times over. But they don't want to spend the money because they were f- afraid that something could happen.
1: Mm, and okay. You are describing the hoarding blueprint. Just so you know, that's mm-hmm. the hoarder money DNA blueprint.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we see that a lot with with people, not just with with money, but also with with things. You know, mm-hmm. hoarding. You know, we see that, and um, oftentimes there's some type of you know association from you know their childhood, and they saw their parents do it. You know, we for those that you know grew up in the Great Depression, and you know, even we might be seeing it, you know, again, with, you know, the recession that took place you know, back in 2008 and 2009, when people like myself, you know, lost everything, you know, there were people that, you know, when they got things back, you know, started to hoard and are afraid to do this or afraid to do that. Um, a, a key thing, not that it prevents it, but if you live in a condo, there's only so much that you can hoard. So, you know, I I went, I'm going small square footage here. Not, not that I was a hoarder anyway, but um, I'm more of an essentialist. It's like, okay, do I need this right now? Yes, I need it. If I don't, okay, let me donate it or sell it on eBay or something and give it to somebody that could use it. Cause if it's just sitting around and I'm not using it, it's a waste of its use. So um, I I operate that way.
1: Can we talk just a minute more about this idea of the corporate, Culture because I think you're hitting on something so important. Um, of course. you know, I talk to a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, the CEOs, leaders, but let's let's take this into the corporate culture. You know, corporate culture is made up of human beings, right? right. I came out of a Fortune 500 company before I started my business, so you know, I, I have a little bit of a perception of, of what it's like to work inside an organization. But what you described is so powerful because the culture of an organization is typically shaped by its leadership team. And if it's, am I right?
0: Oh, uh, ten, you're 10 out yeah. of 10. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So when you um, have leaders who come together from a place of scarcity and, um, you know, whether that's, uh, or, you know, because sometimes the grassroots effort to starting a business is we have to, we have to squeeze every little penny out. It's like, at some point, the company culture has to evolve into growth mode, and leave behind the energy that it started. You know, bootstrapping is not a long-term success strategy. It is a um, it is a way to get off the ground with self-funding, right? Like to really like like reinvest every single penny you have into its growth, and it's a very powerful strategy. But you cannot keep growing with the same strategy that got you off the ground. And so I just thought that was really great point as we take that into the corporate side, into like a, a business's culture. It's not the business per se, it's the people who are shaping the value of the business. And usually it's because they've kind of locked themselves into a fear based model.
0: Yeah, I see it a lot. And, you know, I, in I love the analogy of, you know, startup and you got you know, watch every, every penny. And, and then you get successful. Then I tell people all the time, especially when I go into organizations that have had success and now they're kind of stagnant and they're wondering why, you know, the techniques that they used before aren't working now. And, you know, I tell them what got you here won't get you there. Uh, You have to adapt and grow and change. It's, you're at a different level. So though it's like, I use the analogy. It's like what you learned in kindergarten. Yes, you can carry that through, but you are now in high school and you need to utilize some different uh, learning mechanisms and do things a little bit differently. So you can grow from here and then college and university and work life and and everything else. It it each, each level uh, requires some new thinking, new learning, new skills. It's called growth. and, uh, it's funny where a lot of people will will hit a certain spot and then they decide, okay, I'm gonna hit the cruise control button and that's you know that's as fast as they want to go and they don't want to grow anymore and sometimes if if those are the leaders of an organization, that's problematic.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. well I, I don't know how much more time we have, but I will say this is is um I think right now there's there's like a wave that's moved beyond, you know, the 2008, 2009 debacle. But I, I think as, as a rule, like I'm seeing people who got affected greatly there, many of them haven't quite recoded that pain of losing stuff, losing money, losing momentum, and fully adopted what I call um, like a healthy money mindset. And so if you were going to do one thing, I would encourage you to really like look at, what's the success I do want? What's the financial success I want? What's the, like maybe you're looking at taking your career or your business or your leadership to another level to get really clear, like what are three beliefs? What are three thoughts that somebody who already has that easily thinks every day? That was how I actually trained and recoded my mind out of being someone who grew up in poverty and into someone who could easily like almost like it was automatic to be a six-figure earner so it can replace struggle and you know a lot of those fears and conflicts and limiting beliefs with oh no like this is how we think (laughs) and so when you have those bad days you can remind yourself like no no that's the old version of me the new version of me thinks like this like pick yourself up dust off and remind yourself every day how does someone who this comes easy to think differently? So, and I'm happy to share more tools, Michael, if you want me to.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. We probably have about, you know, 10 minutes or so. Um, okay. But I think, yeah, definitely, definitely share those and and definitely before the end uh, share, share how people uh, can get in touch with you and, and everything else. But yeah, I'd love to hear you know, a couple of those tools that um, can help people get, you know, really clear on, you know, what they want and, and, I love the analogy of, you know, figuring out, okay, who's done it, you know, and who, who paved the way, you know, who's doing what I want to do or as close to it as possible. And, you know, what's, you know, what are they thinking? Oh, you know, what's their behaviors? What, you know, what are they doing? And, and replicate that adapt it to, um, you know, what you're doing uh, again with the, the right mindset. Cause I think sometimes if they, if they'll say, well, Grant Cardone is doing it this way, but if you're still working with, uh, you know, the scarcity impoverished mindset, it's not going to be as successful as as you would hope.
1: Well, let's take procrastination and 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 break that down a little bit because I think everybody's bumped into it at some time, right? Like everybody's felt procrastination, but procrastination is a symptom that of of a like a core cause that's different for different people. And so one of the things I think if you are bumping into procrastination, you're not taking action on something that on some level you know is good for you, then I always say get on a piece of paper and ask yourself um what's missing. So you might say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, okay? So that would be a fear of doing it wrong or or not knowing what to do and so that that uncomfortableness with not knowing what to do means you need to start to get clarity so that would be one angle if you're well if i do this i might lose something else like you know like moving this idea forward i'm afraid i'll lose time then you know you need to start looking at the conflict you have to start figuring out why Am I, you know, like, what's the and for me if it's, um, if my procrastination route is, um, well, you know, if I'm really honest, I don't really believe this is possible. Like, I don't want to spend a bunch of time and money doing something and then have it not work. right? And I can't tell you how many clients come into coaching with me and their biggest obstacle is I don't want to do all this work and have it not work for me. Right. Like that is their number one reason they're procrastinating. And so then we get to look at like, well, what could happen? That's usually because someone's focused on all the ways it won't work. Well, like, you know, what if people don't buy it? Or, you know, what, what if like people laugh at me and they don't get it? Or um, what if I put my podcast out there? I start my podcast or I write my book and nobody listens or nobody reads my book, right? But what if you focused on the ways it would work? What if you just touch that one person's life? What if there's one person that's struggling out there and they listen to your podcast and they go, "Thank you. I needed to hear that message today." Or they read your book and they say, "Wow, you your words in the book, it they they like helped me through a really really challenging time in my life." Or what if you stepping into leadership and letting all those fears go away, you you end up leading somebody who's feeling lost right now and they're going to quit because they, they don't really get who they're supposed to be. But your unique leadership style activates and engages them in a way that, like, they now figure figured out how they want their career to look. So you never know what's at stake, right? And so sometimes you have to get clear what's really in the way and start having those conversations. And I know sometimes it's hard to find on your, on your own, which is why... Michael's here and why, why I do what I do is to help shine the, the flashlight in the dark room that you can't see the answer through the trees, but like, don't just stay stuck, be willing to take a step back and look at what's really going on here. And I, you know, I have a, a quiz that I'll share in a minute, um, that might help you, but, um, you can always recode anything that is in the way. You can always train your mind to shift gears and do what you want it to do. You just have to get clear. What do you want? Oh, can I share one more thing, Michael? But of course. Um, One of the things I learned that was such a huge breakthrough in my life, it like revolutionized everything. Some of us have the clarity of what we don't want. And we go about our goals and setting a vision for our business or our career path uh, by, like, trying to get away from what we don't want. But here's what I learned: I, I actually got trained in a body of work called neurolinguistic programming (NLP), and it's it's the it's the art of using language to teach the mind and how to travel a new neural pathway. Like science has taught us that. There are neurons that fire in our brain, like a a situation happens, the neuron fires a familiar path and it gets us the same outcome. If we want new outcomes, we have to trigger the mind to you to go down a new neural pathway. So one of the things I realized was, is I personally was wired in my life to avoid pain. So something I didn't like, I would go like, well, if I don't want that, all right, I want to do this thing over here, which would get me away from it. But here's what happens your brain can only take you so far away from the thing you don't want before it doesn't know what to do anymore. So then it has to recreate the problem in order for it to know what to do. So many people who have these up and down cycles like, well, I fix it for a while and then the problem comes back. It's because on some level you're setting goals to move away from pain Instead of setting goals to move towards what you do want, and it's really interesting because this is how marketing, fundamental marketing messaging, is based on pain avoidance. So it's very embedded in our culture and our society to move away from what we don't want. But it was very, very impactful around money because most of us go around Michael saying, "Well, I don't want to be broke. So what do I want to? What am I going to do today? Well, I don't want to like struggle financially anymore. So how am I going to make some money?" well, I don't really like this career path. I don't like doing these jobs. I don't like this boss, right? So I'm going to do something else instead of what I really want to do is do more of this. Like, I want to like be this thing and I want to have this success. And that's just changes everything in terms of who you can, how how you can accomplish success basically and sustain it.
0: That's crucial because yeah, what you focus on, is the direction that you end up going and I don't want to be broke, but you're still focusing on being broke. Well, um, it's, you're going to remain broke or not anywhere near the financial freedom, whatever that means to individuals. Cause some people have different opinions on, you know, what financial freedom is to them. But, you know, for me, you know, I love how you use the NLP, uh, aspect of it because it, there was a big thing for me in my healing and recovering from all of those losses was my mind shift. And I realized, you know, with everything, you know, I had to reinvent myself completely. And for me, what I had to do was I literally had to change how I looked at things and, and focus on the direction that I wanted to go in and what I wanted to do. Yes, I'm aware of what I would rather not do, but that's not where I'm focusing. I'm focusing on, okay, I want to do this. I want to you know, have more podcast episodes. I want to launch a podcast. Okay, I want to write a book. Okay, well, I, now I want to write another book. Okay, now I want to write another book. And and not thinking of, oh, it's summertime, I should do this, or I don't want to waste my summer again for writing a book. Uh, no, I'm I'm thinking I can enjoy summer and i can write a book i can write a book and using and uh, enjoy summer because i can write outside i can enjoy the you know the the 6 hours of summer weather that we get in toronto actually we get more than that but uh, sometimes it feels like that
1: <laughs> i love that yeah uh, i've only been to toronto once and it was really cold when i was there so
0: yeah I if if, if you if you visit again i do highly recommend any time between uh june 20th and maybe september 10th if anywhere around those days it's hit or miss but usually you know july and august are, are, are relatively decent um but After that, yeah, you're, you're, you're running with scissors uh, when it comes to, (laughs) especially if you're trying to, if you, because you know, you're. Here are in Cali. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing yeah, we, you,
1: we basically have two months of winter where you have two months of summer. So
0: pretty much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you got the better end of the deal. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but we have
1: earthquakes. So the, like, I don't know. You got
0: yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cold,
1: or do you want to like risk falling into the earth? I don't know.
0: <laughs> mm, uh, yeah. Well, ask me that question in January when it's you know, like, <laughs> okay two outside and you know my, my my face is starting to uh crystallize so uh, uh, no <laughs> <Well>, we digress <laughs> exactly um, I love this and you know, obviously we could talk for hours and hours on this because it's such an important topic but um yeah definitely share share that resource you were talking about and other ways that uh, people can get a hold of you
1: yeah sure so one of the things i would encourage if this is Calling to you, you suspect maybe there are some invisible blocks, maybe some some barriers that you can't quite figure out. You've got patterns that are are frustrating you around money and success. Um, I have this free quiz. It'd be a great place to to kind of get a handle on what's going on. What it does is it's about seven questions, and when you take the questions, it will uh, feed you which of the three hidden profit drains are most prevalent for you right now. And what that does is it kind of gives you a first place to focus. Now, some people find that they're a mix of all of them and that's, that's okay. (laughs) Some of us are just, you know, we have a lot going on there, but what I think is super helpful is focus, like focus in on, all right, so what's the being to shift and what's the doing I need to shift. And so you can find the quiz at rewiredforwealth.com. When you complete the quiz, I would love to give you a gift of my book. It's called Rewired for Wealth (laughs) and no surprise And what it'll do is it'll kind of take you a little bit deeper into the recording process. It also explains the seven money DNA blueprints. So if you're like, well, which blueprint am I? That's where I go into a little bit more. Cause I want to really, I want to be able to to kind of unpack those a little bit and and do a better job explaining. And um, what I would suggest is make a decision to master the relationship with money Even if you're one of those people who you think to yourself, like, I don't need more money to be successful, it's not about that. It's about having a healthy relationship with money so that we can expand it when we want to. We can give it as much as we want to. We can reinvest it as we need to in order to accomplish the goals and dreams we have. That is something that anyone can recode their current money DNA to create the money DNA that thrives. And thriving is just about abundance. So um, I'm also all over social media, would love to connect with you on Instagram, Facebook, or um, I'm marginally involved in LinkedIn, but super involved in Twitter. And I'm sure Michael, you'll, you'll have those links handy for people, but you basically just look for Melanie Benson and I'm, I'm there. And um, happy to serve you however you want with expanding your money consciousness.
0: That is awesome, and yes, I'll have all the places to stalk you on, in the show notes. And I'm very and, stalkable. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's hard to hide. You know, when you put yourself out there, it's like you're hiding. I'm like, how am I hiding? And I was like, I'm on all the social media channels. Everything's there. Okay, all right, yes, I didn't post what I had for dinner last night because uh, it was it was. It was, it was risotto, if anybody was asking. So I had some risotto <laughs> for dinner last night. Uh, but, Mel, uh, always great to talk with you. I appreciate thank you too. and all the awesome work that you're doing. And, and thank you again for this. I think you're going to impact a lot of people with, uh, with what we talked about today.
1: Thank you. And thanks for hosting such an amazing podcast. You are serving a lot of people with it.
0: Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get us a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.